genre this week it's kind of, this week's kind of a fun week it's kind of just like other bible study tools so we're just looking at some various other tools for studying the bible specific things um, we had a class on like kind of how to look at the old testament and the new testament a little bit differently we last week shonda had a great class on genres and how looking at the different genres help us to identify better what's going on when we just open right to it or what God's trying to say, what he's saying about himself. Um, so we're just going to look at some specific tools. And with this lesson, they just jump right in. So the first tool we'll look at, I'm just writing this so to keep us on point here. The first one is going to be author's intent. So we learn about this in school. We learn about this even without an education. This is something that you'll find yourself just wanting to understand when reading. I think as I read through this, the big thing I noticed is that I think we really need to, and I'm going to come back to this throughout the lesson, I think that we really need to remember that the Word of God is the Word of God. It's spoken. All of this stuff I'm about to talk about makes so much sense in the context of a conversation with somebody. If they're talking to you and you're listening to them. I feel like when we read a book, we can kind of disconnect very easily and get very independent in our thinking. But I'm not saying, like, I think God made it a book very, very purposefully so that you can do that. But when you're in listening mode with the Bible, just it's like listening to a person. Like, if I'm listening to a person... I, I, it's pretty clear oftentimes, like, I care about their intent. Does that make sense? Sometimes when I'm reading a book, I'm just like, does this entertain me? But when I'm listening to a person, I want, I'm trying to understand what they're trying to say. It's just very easy. And when we do the Bible, I think sometimes, maybe if it's been a long day at work, or if we're just not in the mood, or we're just thinking about something else, we can start to just read it as, this is just information, and I don't get the information, as opposed to like, there's a person, <laughs> the person of God is behind this, and he has a very specific intent. And if I look deeply, I can almost hear his tone of voice, or if I look around it, um, and the, I mean, the Holy Spirit is deciphering that for you, deciphering for you, like, what is he really meaning when he's saying this, and what's the tone? Um, but again, everything that I was looking at for this lesson was just like, if you think about it, like it really is, that he gave his word to you, that he speaks to you all the time through his word, through creation, through the circumstances in your life, through sanctification. Um, if you listen to him like he's a person, it's so much easier to grasp these things. And I think some people who do, who already do listen to a person, a lot of these things will be like, oh yeah, of course. But I think for a lot of people, at first they can just be like, this is like... Okay, I'm just getting over the fact that this isn't a fairy tale. Now I'm trying to like understand just what it's saying. And it's like, well, to understand what it's saying, it's going to be a lot better to understand that it's being said to you 
like it's being spoken to you with very specific um, intention for your soul, for your sanctification, for your heart. But so author's intent is first. Um, they give an example of like a verse being used out of context. Um, we had a class on this when we did the Sermon on the Mount, but Matthew 7, 1, the do not judge or you'll, lest you'll be judged, um, which is often taken out of context of like never judge anybody, leave everybody to their own devices, live and let live. But what it's really saying is just don't be judgmental as if you're God. Um, if you do judge somebody else, let it be from a place of God's standard, not your own, you know, like... How could you wear those clothes to church? That kind of thing. It's very out of context. Um, so when we're looking for the author's intent and not taking things out of context and causing um, huge dissensions in the world, um, shining the light in a very incorrect way that makes people like, uh, I don't want to go to church because Christians are hypocrites, that kind of thing. Um, all of these are important for finding the intent. Two questions to ask is, why did the author write it? Which, again, I think if somebody's talking to you, they're like, hey, can I talk to you about something? The thing you're thinking about is, why are they talking to me right now? <laughs> what, what happened? Uh, why did the author write it, and what is the context? It's like, why are they talking to me, and where are they coming from right now? What's going on? I need to listen. Like, what's going on? So knowing the purpose and the context of the verse or the passage will help you understand your Bible correctly and prevent you from making some of the errors we just talked about. And I think most people here know that it's important to understand the Bible correctly. Um, there are a lot of people who I don't think fully grasp that yet, and these are people that you know we need to talk to and we need to lovingly share share the Bible with and be like, well, there is a very specific way to swing your sword. That's why he tells us to study it our whole life. Um, it's not you can't just open it and it's just this perfect manual that's just like you know it's like it's kind of like a cookbook or something. Like you got to actually do it and work on it. Um, but some people don't know that, so we need to know how to look at the Bible correctly and then use it correctly. Um, and we need to be very graceful with how we each interpret it and try to figure out together, right, how to, how to correctly interpret it instead of just like, this is what I think, and this is what I think, let's bash, and then let's church split, and then let's not, you know, work together. Like, it's, this brings us together. It's a wonderful thing. Um, so the first tool, the author's intent, or the author's purpose, you could say. Um, every book of the Bible was written with a specific purpose in mind, so, and for your heart. So we should interpret each part of the, bi of the book um, of the Bible in light of the fact that it really does have a specific purpose, and this means that um, we would say that you can't, you can't impose a meaning on the text. We've talked about this uh, the problem with the approach of imposing on the text is that it's God's word, it's not our word. Again, this is great, because I feel like we do this all the time, but if you put yourself in the situation of somebody talking to you, ugh, have you heard somebody talk like that? Like maybe somebody's talking to somebody else, they're like, so what you're saying is this. He's like, no, that's not what I'm saying, just listen to me. And they keep talking, so what you're saying is, no, just let me finish my thought. Um, that's like what we do when we sit at the Word of God and we're like, oh, I think this is helping my specific problem right now and I'm going to make a decision based off of this um, lineage that I'm reading. <laughs> it's just like it's pulling out of nowhere. Uh, <laughs> so, sure. Is this where being relatively new to all of this 
this where the wisdom of elders and other church members really comes into play? And I oh, ask man. specifically because at different stages of life, right, you can read the same passage and it'll have completely different meanings. So to truly get to the intent, mm-hmm. I mean, that does take a lifetime sure. before you can look backwards and go, okay, finally I get it. Mm-hmm. But when you're in your teens, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s even, and you're reading some of these passages, mm-hmm. you really have to rely on the wisdom of others to help you interpret that intent, I think. Yes. I totally agree with that. Um, I think it's very important for us to understand that the word of God's not bound. So it's not bound by our age. He is, it's spoken to, it's not like a young adult novel. You know, it's not like, you know, and I'm not saying you're saying this. I'm speaking off of what you're saying. It's not like a textbook. You know, it's like, this is only for college people. Um, It speaks I don't know the exact age, you know, it depends on the person when it starts to make sense. It started to make sense to me a little bit when I was four. It's the Holy Spirit, it's not me. But um, it speaks to people at all times of their life, but it speaks to them differently, and it has to do with their ability to get out of the way of, like, God, (laughs) which is hard when you're a teenager because a lot of life is about yourself. But... um, yeah, we were talking. I was talking to Kayla last night about the importances of church and like what are the basics of church that are so important, and one of them is leadership. But I was like, but I think equally to leadership, not just like can a church sink or sink or swim with starting with just good leadership, then from there work out. I was like, I really think that equally, it's all of the members understanding that they need to be discipling each other. I really don't think it can survive. Um, I think that if there's good leadership and like the members are kind of working out, it's in danger mode. <laughs> like it needs to be from the start a very clear understanding. We are discipling each other. We are teaching each other. So we have, but that's kind of uh, what's great about it is um, it's hard to be a maroon Christian if you're reading something you don't quite understand. It's so great because you can ask everyone ask everyone about it. I feel like in different groups that's very like unless you know we're too protective of ourselves or we're too prideful or whatever it may be like if you're in a bowling league and you've been bowling horribly for a year I'm gonna start talking to everybody like what can I do better Um, we just need to be more open with the reality of how that process is like I can just ask people for help Um, and people want I think pretty much everyone here wants to help or they want to be like I don't know. That's a good question. I kind of want to want to go each look this up and try to figure it out, or you want to get together over coffee and try to figure it out. I'll bring my Bible dictionary. Um, I think that's so. where it's it's important to rely on the church body versus others as well. Because yeah. you said you don't want to impose your opinion of the intent, so you have to be cautious about who you're reaching out to to begin with. Definitely. Yeah, and it's fine to like. Absolutely. It's fine. It's good to find the the sources you can rely on, especially the people. I think I think God directs you to specific people that you just ask, and it just kind of works out that way. Like when I was at Overland, they had six or seven elders. I had maybe two that I would talk to. It wasn't because I didn't like the other ones. It's just that's who he pointed me toward. Bobby was the guy who was just kind of over me, so I would just ask him questions. So you just go to whoever God provides. But it's important to do that. I like that you asked that question. It's important to do that um, because that is one of the things that brings us together. Uh, I think the, the American kind of view is that um, 
kind of the classroom thing, right? Which they, they kind of try to help us in classrooms, like work together, but we're all awkward and scared when we're teenagers. But um, it's really good. It can, this brings us together, just understanding the word itself. This is, it, this is an excuse <laughs> for us to come together and try to understand, uh, to call each other or to meet up um, or to uh, start Bible studies, whatever it may be. Be like, hey guys, I've been really struggling with understanding Jude. It's really short. You guys want to come over and talk about it for three weeks? Um, it's just an excuse. It's an excuse to do it. And it's the best excuse, right? Because you can just always, like, well... <laughs> You know, I know we're tired, but we're going to go talk about the Bible. We should go. That's a great excuse. Um, so we're looking for the overarching purpose because it's God's word. It's not our own word. We're not interrupting God when he's talking to us and being like, so this is what you mean? We're listening to him and being like, what is he trying to say? Uh, we know that the biblical writers, so he spoke to them and then they're talking to us through, but it's very, it's clearly inspired by him, the Holy Spirit. So it's like we're listening to them. So we need some humility there too. We know the biblical writers were inspired by God. Therefore, their purpose is God's attention, um, his intention. So let's take a look at some passages on this um, to uncover it. Let's go to John 20. I'm going to go to John 20, verses 30 through 31. We're not going to do any intense dives. We're just going to kind of brush over some simple parts today. This is all for you to take with you and dig in deeper. And with each other. If God provides the time and the desire. John 20, let's do verses 30 and 31. So here we're looking for explicit and clear purpose. This is very explicit. This is very clear. Somebody want to read 30 through 31? So this is a kind of funny one, because if you're reading the book of John, especially if you've read some of the other Gospels, you're like, this is very different. I love what I'm reading, but woo, this is different. And then you get to this one section, he's like, by the way, this is why I'm telling you this whole story. It's like he's been reading you the story about Jesus, and he sits down, and he's like, so the reason I'm telling you this is you, you need to believe in Jesus, okay? Is this enough information yet? Like, you need to believe in Jesus. Um, so it's a very clear, very direct purpose there. And the Bible does that a lot. Um, when you study the book of John, after you read that, it's kind of funny because it's at the end. It kind of gives you an excuse to go back and read it again pretty quickly. Because now you need to read it with that purpose in mind. So the whole point, he's, he's like, is I need to read this to believe in Jesus. And if I can do that, then I can tell other people why they need to believe in Jesus. Um, not trying to speak it as any kind of gospel. I finally saw the season two episode one of the chosen where it's all about john trying to figure out why what am i writing this book about i I did this for laura and yeah i thought back tears on that one that's a cool one uh so we also have like more implicit or more ambiguous purposes in the bible um that i think i think we can find those certainly in apocalyptic but um maybe in some like prophet stuff um, some minor prophet stuff, be like, what is going on in Hosea? Um, 
So what if it's what if it isn't obvious? What if it isn't explicit? So we've got direct and we've got sort of the more ambiguous. In these cases, um, we need to be like detectives. Um, we need to be like we need to be like Batman, my favorite guy. We need to be detectives, the world's best detectives. Um, don't just look at it and be like, I don't know, whatever. Um, just like need to look for clues, right? Blues clues um, to try and understand why it was written and what the main themes are. They're there. Um, we talked about with genre in the last class um, how when you're dealing with like a New Testament epistle or an Old Testament prophet, you should try to answer these four questions um, to get a sense of the purpose. You want to see like who is writing to who, like who is the prophet speaking to, who is Paul talking to specifically, what is the situation of the author and the reader, not necessarily meaning like where is Paul right now, what is he doing right now, but like is this, like when Paul, when you read Timothy, it's an old wise Christian apostle speaking to a young like learning preacher. Like that's an important thing to understand that dynamic. What's the situation between the two? Um, are there any problems or issues that are being addressed? Uh, like in, is it First Corinthians that deals with the the dude that's dealing with really bad sexual immorality in, in the in the church? He's like, this is this is bad. Um, there's a very specific issues in Philippians, like we just did near the end. It's got the two women that are disagreeing. And he's like, these are wonderful women. I don't know why they're disagreeing, but like help them to agree in the Lord and other other people help them to stop. Um, these specific issues are important to look at um, instead of just kind of like, again, the whole thing of just like, even when you're listening to somebody talk about a story, you can immediately start thinking, what does this have to do with me? Like, why am I listening to this? It's like, just listen to the story. Listen to what they're saying and let that enter your mind instead of some version that has to do with you. And you can also ask, are there any repeated themes or a single idea holding the whole book together? That's harder. That's kind of, I'm very stuck there. I'm trying to figure out how to do that. It's hard. I'm not good at it yet. I try really hard to see the whole thing together. Um, if you want, we can go to, yeah, let's go to Romans 2 really quick. Romans 2, 25 through 29. I picked this because I remember the first time reading it being like, I remember it taking me a bit of time to be like, what is going on with this section? Um, even though it totally explains itself. I remember the first time reading this being like, I gotta read that again. I'm a little confused. Um, it says, here, somebody wanna read the first, uh, read 25 through 27. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. 
But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. So there's plenty of digging that you can do there. If you start to ask these questions, who is he writing to? He's writing to the Romans. What's the situation? They're trying to raise their church. He's trying to tell them what to do. They're dealing with Judaizers. Are there any problems or issues? Well, there's clearly some issue with understanding circumcision here. And there's a repeated theme, of course, in this section of circumcision, circumcision, inward and outward appearance. But um, this is a great example, I think, of how it's funny because you read it and you're like, this is so confusing. Why is he even wording it this way? And then if you read it, like even just now when I read it this time, I was almost kind of laughing because it feels like Paul was making it that way on purpose. He's like, circumcision, circumcision, circumcision. He's like, this is confusing. This is confusing. It's just, it's an inward thing. It's not this outward, uncircumcised, circumcised, circumcised, uncircumcised. It's like, it's like, it's inward. It's the heart. So he just like makes it very easy to understand. So, so sometimes it's confusing on purpose. Um, but if you don't understand the author's intent, um, you won't often, so they talked about it in this lesson, like, don't, if you're bad at figuring out the author's intent at first, or if you have days where it's difficult, it's not that it's going to be worthless reading the Bible. You're still going to get a lot out of reading it that day. It's just you're not going to get as much. Um, this is part of digging further, digging deeper into the word and mining that gold. Um, but you'll probably, you'll just end up simply affirming kind of a general truth about the Bible rather than seeing a deeper meaning of the passage. Um, again, if you're talking to somebody, you have an old friend that you talk to a lot, if you only ever respond to what they say surfacely, you know, that would, that, that would stink, right? If you had this friend and you only was like, it was kind of like small to medium talk, it was never deep talk at all, never like, what does that make? you feel the, when you talk about your day, you know, actually talk to them. That's what we're doing. We're doing this. We're digging into what he's saying and really being close to him. Any questions or comments so far on just the author's intent? Excellent. So we should always keep in mind that God's underlying purpose, okay, his underlying purpose in all of scripture, not to like, you can get into this stuff and be like, uh, the Bible, Underlying purpose of all of scripture is the revelation of his glory. That is the underlying purpose, the revelation of his glory. Um, primarily as it is displayed, as it all centers through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The revelation of God's glory, all coming together with the center of all time and history and intention and action and love and purpose and everything, coming down to Jesus on the cross and raising from the dead and his ministry. So when we sit down to study God's word, as we seek to discern the purpose of the context of a passage, we should do that with the goal, right, of growing in our knowledge of him because the purpose is the revelation of his glory. So if it's the purpose, I need to be looking for how does this glorify God, um, which if I love to listen to ACDC and I sit down and listen to ACDC, I'm probably going to be listening to it to be like, man, I love this band. Not to be like, eh, so-so. <laughs> I want to revel in it. Um, just personally, how does anybody have anything to kind of encourage here? Personally, for you, 
in this time in your life or where you're at now, how has the word of God been, how has growing in the knowledge of his glory been affecting you lately? I know for me, it's just, it's been keeping me totally sane, especially with COVID and everything that happened. But how has it been affecting you guys lately? She had the breath. Oh, this is recorded for me going online. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, there's something that we want to share. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. Also, I want to apologize for getting over Sabrina the Teenage Witch. It doesn't matter. It's not gonna be on there. It does matter. It's on there now. <laughs> I think for me the biggest thing is just knowing that we are not alone. So this year specifically in reading the Bible, you know, the Bible reading plan, the first time I've ever done this, I really come to appreciate when when God has has said, you know, you're not alone. I'm right there, the constant reassurance. Yeah. Even when you know, kings are being destroyed and all these things like God's practicing his wrath on different individuals. It's still very prevalent to me that he is present mm-hmm. and he will not abandon us. And even when we feel so alone and so isolated, we're really not. And I think that's the biggest thing that I've taken away this year. I love that answer because that answer, when we, oh my gosh, when we don't seek that from God, whether you wanted to admit it or not, we seek that from everything else. Um, I don't care if it's comic books, if it's AM radio, you seek, you seek it in, you seek it in things that are, they're just not eternal. They're like man-made. It's like, oh, I'll, I'll just listen to, I'll put in that Nat King Cole album, or I'll go talk to my friend that I haven't seen in a while, or I'll um, read Great Gatsby again, or whatever it may be. It's like, we just try to find these things that make us feel like we're not alone, make us feel like we're okay. And that, that is a, that is a f- human yearning that is supposed to be there. It's supposed to be found in God. It's so funny that somebody else's glory is what makes us feel not alone. Have you found that? Um, if I'm alone, I'm not gonna find, go read some like, boring, awful book to try to feel better. <laughs> I'm going to find something that's better than myself. And then it does this weird thing where it makes me feel like, oh, I can keep going. Um, it's meant for God. The glory of God, we're, we're people who are made to worship. And we can either worship God or we could worship all these other things. And that's why studying the Bible and reading, reading it for his glory, as much as it might be hard to accept sometimes, that because we all want to be, our old self wants to be our own God so badly. Um, we are a new creation and we recognize now that we are made to worship that which is higher and we know that to be Jesus Christ, God, the Holy Spirit. It puts us in our place. But it's just funny that when we don't, we totally do the same thing <laughs> just with other things and we think that it's not worship and we think that it's like, no, I'm just in control of my life and I'm my own God. So you're just worshiping everybody else. Um, if not yourself, well, which here a little bit, uh, there a little bit, 
So it just keeps adding on. A constant chase. That's how the you know the devil's always leaving another breadcrumb for you to chase. Yeah, you and it's just a circle. A bit there you increases your understanding of what's going on. Yep. As opposed to one narrow road straight to the kingdom of God. It's beautiful. Um, next, we'll look at structure. Look at structure. There's a lot of little things. Could you use a darker color? Yeah, sure, sure. I'm just a. I'm a weirdo, and I like pink. <laughs> I've got these pink, these pink chucks in my closet that I'm just. Like, do I wear them or do I wait until my wedding day? Um, she said she said it's okay, so I'm gonna do it. Uh, structure. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. It's like <laughs> uh, with structure, we want to ask ourselves two questions when we're trying to understand the structure of a passage. Has the author themselves, often he, all always he, uh, has the author divided his material into sections? And do those, how do those sections fit together? They broke it apart, how do they fit together? We do this all the time when we listen to music on the radio. Oh, here comes the chorus! Um, just different parts, and how do they fit together, and why are they apart at the same time? Um, so how do I figure out the structure of a passage? One would be to look for repeated words and themes. Um, here, let me see something. This is the same. There's this one passage I liked. Yeah, if you guys want to turn to Revelation 6, this is a good, a good, just a really good example of that. I'm not trying to create arguments here this morning. We're just looking at the structure of Revelation 6. I promise. So, look for repeated words or repeated themes, too. In narratives, look for scene changes. That happens a lot in Revelation, right? Pretend you're, pretend, I like this example they give. Pretend you're a movie director or a playwright and ask yourself, did the action just switch the scenes here? Um, if not, why did the author move me on to something different if the scene hasn't changed? And that's something that happens in Revelation a lot, right? People kind of group it all together. But if you look at all the little things, I saw, I heard, I saw, I heard. There's a lot of changes going on. Um, and so this is good for repeated words and repeated themes in the book that is considered the most ununderstandable, even though it's supposed to be understandable because the Holy Spirit and we're supposed to revel in it. The most causing the most dissension right here. It's, we have a very simple structure with the seven, the first four seals in Revelation six. It just says, "Now I watched when the land opened one of the seven seals. I heard one of the four living creatures." So um, it says. Um, I looked and behold a white horse and its rider had a bow and then in verse 3 and he opened the second seal and then I saw another horse and he was bright red fifth we opened the third seal and there was a black horse <laughs> fourth he opened the fourth seal and there was a fourth living creature and its rider's name was death and it's like as, as difficult as it is to understand the author is breaking it out and it's like I'm breaking this out so you can understand very easily what I'm seeing. Um, so he wants you to understand it. And he's breaking it for very specific purpose. 
um, it can be easy for us to be like, the whole part with the horses is crazy. But if you actually, <laughs> that part with the horses is crazy. But if you look at the section, it's like, well, how are those broken up? It's broken up into four different ones. You got the piece, the seemingly, the bow without the arrow. You got the guy bringing war. You got the guy bringing famine. And you got the guy, you know, it's, it starts to make sense. And you start just dividing it for a second can start to help you identify what each one of them means. And then it becomes like the rest of the book. It becomes a story. It's like first this comes, then this comes. When it comes, I'm not going to talk about today. So but there's a reason why it's structured the way that it is. So John wanted us to understand what he saw. So he structured it in the best way, uh, in the most organized way that he knew how to structure it. Yes. He may have not understood what he was seeing, but at least he structured it absolutely yeah and it's great that the bible has all kinds of different ways again if you imagine that person talking this is very simple he's like first i saw this then there was this then there was this and other times you have paul being like circumcision uncircumcision uncircumcised circumcised it's like it's all very helpful and it's all it all grows it's all sanctifying it all grows your understanding of the bible um and it keeps it uh I know it keeps it interesting because it's God's purpose and he's the greatest writer of all time. So it must be for that purpose. John but it's... Petrified. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I love, I personally love that. I love that structure because I think it's very similar to Genesis. Why I think it's... I think it's very literal, but it's fine. It's not for everybody. <laughs> well, I mean, you think about things that, that I say about Daniel, you know, when he's seen the, the you know, all that stuff, he, well, he was, I wasn't saying, messed up for a while. He had to, you know, Oh, he, he, what he, happened? He, what's that? What happened? Well, I was familiar with Daniel. I mean, he just, after he seen all these visions, he's just disturbed. I, oh, yes. I can't remember how long it was, but it was for a significant period of time that he just, yeah, couldn't deal with it in so some ways. I need say. a moment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this is Daniel, right? The this interpreter Daniel. of dreams. Right, yeah. Like, yeah. That was crazy. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, another uh, three they talk about in dialogue. So if there's a dialogue um, in a passage, you can often divide the text up based on who is saying what. So a great example of that is Job. And that's super crucial because in Job, if you don't know who is saying what, things can get really confusing really fast. And you can be like, whoa, he can't say that. It's like, oh, that's one of Job's friends. He would obviously say that. Or um, It's super important. And then you got the other guy. I can't think of his name. The guy later popping up. Be like, well, here's what I have to say. Um, the, the young guy. Yeah. What's his name? I don't know his name. Dang it, I don't know his name either. All right, too bad. Yeah, he actually has some good stuff to say, and you're like, whoa. So it's not necessarily about wisdom, it's about being focused on God. This young guy can actually say a lot. Um, in some places, the structure that's used is the structure of like a legal argument. This is something I'm still trying to understand. But Malachi, they say, is a good example of this. Paul's letter to the Romans in Romans 1 and 2, uh, Paul establishes, he's like making a case. Um, so sometimes when you're reading something, you're like, okay, well, you need to keep reading because they're making a case. Um, he establishes in Romans 1 and 2, everyone is under God's wrath because of their sin. You're like, well, that's daunt. I don't, what, what am I reading this book for? Um, for Gentiles in chapter 1 and then Jews in chapter 3. 
And he does that before he begins his argument about the free gift of salvation in Christ for those who believe in chapter 3. So it's like, I'm laying this down. Don't stop there. Keep reading. Oh, and there's the, there's the kicker that, you know, totally encourages and brings me to life. So if you see like a logical progression of thought, like in Romans, um, it may be very much the intention of the structure of a progressive argument um, that Paul is making or that somebody else is making. And it does us very well to trace that argument. Um, that's a little, I think that's a little bit more, you know, like being a juror and sitting down and listening to a lawyer's argument, that's, that takes a bit more of a commitment. And it's uh, maybe a higher level of understanding with the Bible. But that's why I've heard a lot of people say, if you're going to study the Bible, if you want, start in Romans. Because if you can understand Romans, the rest of the Bible, you're not going to have a problem. And apparently it works for a lot of people. So <laughs> I suggest it. Um, Daniel 8, chapter yeah. Chapter 8, verse 29. And I, Daniel, was overcome and lay sick for some days. Then I arose and went out about the king's business. And I was appalled by the vision and did not understand it. And I'll, I'll segue that into... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, that's insane. That's insane that that happened. Yeah. Not uh, reading the Bible isn't always going to be... Puppies and gumdrops. They yeah, walk away being like... As far as I know, whatever you say, you told me... That hurts. Understand. Yeah. Wait, what? I mean, as far as I know, Daniel, it didn't come out that Daniel said, yeah, at the end, yeah, I understand it now. Yeah. It, doesn't ever say that. Yeah. That's making me think of a movie, but I'm not going to bring it up. <laughs> but, uh. Definitely. <laughs> Don't open this scroll. Uh, incidentally, you'll find that the paragraphs, the chapter divisions, and the verse divisions in your Bible, I've found that they're really helpful. I'm not, like, super. I'm not super against them. Like, I need to go get a reading Bible. It doesn't have any verses in it. Um, no offense, I'm sorry. I just, my sister was like on me for, on that for a while. I was like, I just want to read with the titles. It's easier. You know, Chris, who split it up in verses when we have it now? Do you know when that was done? Hmm. I think it's probably, I wonder if every company, like this way, Crossway, I don't know, but my assumption, I'm just giving you my assumption, super helpful. My assumption has always been that the people who print it go through and they're like, oh, what was the title over here? Let's maybe tweak it a little bit to what we think. But Oh, I don't know. I think that was pretty early. I don't know. Wasn't it? I mean, I'm talking things. I'm thinking that. I think so. Well, you, you know, it's, you know, when you study, which I have, my son has, you know, when they study classical stuff, books and stuff like that, you know, they'll go, the way they do that is they'll do line. I mean, it's just a helpful way to find people to help you point, okay, where did you get that? And you say, Daniel chapter, first this. Yeah. And so when they do classical work, they'll say, you know, you're talking about a thing, what are you talking about? It's line so-and-so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, like 1,500 or whatever it is. And that just helps you come to what you're, you know, where you're getting that thought. Sure. Thank God for whoever did it, though. Oh, yeah. I see that. That is the process. If you look at it 
from the narrative standpoint, it's just at this point, we live in the period where people have done the work in studying the Bible to break it down into that. Um, but we need to be careful not to let it, you know, if there's two verses that cross into each other to not separate them too much is all. Because they were doing that in the past. They were like, from the prophet Isaiah. You know, they weren't just being like, and here's the word of God. Good luck. Um, they're talking very specifically. Oh, nice. Geneva. Fifteen fifty-seven. It's not even that. It's not even that long ago, in my opinion. It's crazy. It's not. It's not that long ago. Fifteen fifty-seven. Wow. For fifteen hundred years, they were studying it without. That's crazy to me. Uh, you guys want to turn to Titus two for just a moment? I'm gonna have to start breezing. But Titus two. We just got this section that talks about teaching sound doctrine. Um, <laughs> uh, so in this, if you, I won't read the whole thing, but you've got this thing about, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. And if you break it apart, you can start to see, he says, he talks about older men and what they need to do. He talks about older women and what they need to do. He talks about younger women. He talks about young men. He talks about husbands. Um, it just starts, if you break it apart, it starts to make more sense. If you just read it all as a whole, it can be difficult at first. Um, it's the reason why at your job, if they have rules on the board for safety, they break it into numbers. It's just the same thing. But sometimes when we get to the Bible, we can, for some reason, not give it the same perspective. It's interesting why we do that. And then at the end with 11, um, then it's like he talks about everybody, and then from 11 on he's like, for the grace of God has appeared, brings salvation for all people. And then he's talking to them as like a whole, right? That's a very basic breakdown in Titus 2. You've got, Titus, you do this. Older men are to be like this. Older women are to be like this. Um, young women are to do this. And likewise urge younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects, and then you get down to 11, and then he talks about bond servants and slaves. 11, and then he's like, now for, for the grace, because it's come to everybody. Now it's taking a second to step back, it's come to everybody. That's just an example of like, you, 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 all of you listen, you know. That's how you can break that one down. Um, you, you can break it into subsections, you can break it into scenes if it's narrative, into arguments if it's more legal, into themes. Or phrases, maybe if it's more poetic, maybe it's more apocalyptic into themes. Um, and once you've summarized each section, maybe take a moment to write down, if you have a whole section, to write down personally, like, here's in my own words what this means. To write that down for each section. That's a great way to study. It's a very simple way to study, too. It doesn't take a lot of, like, a ton of, like, digging. You can just take a section, be like, I'm going to break it here, and then... If I had to say this to somebody else in a very simple way, how would I write it? And then just do that. And then you're, now you're walking away from your Bible reading, with studying the Bible. You're walking away with your own voice of how you would say it in your head. You're going into your day with that ringing in your head. And now that's just it's reverberating in your head all day. Like, for by grace you have been saved. Grace save me. Grace save me. Grace save me. It's just in your head all day. That's super useful. 
Um, so breaking into sections and just looking at the structure even, you can start to think about the structure. Um, I don't know if anybody's built anything here or you've had something that, I'm sure we've all had things, maybe recipes, whatever it may be. You have these pieces and you're thinking about the pieces all day. This, I need to get this, I have to get this, and I have to put them together, I have to put them together. The Bible, you can do the same thing. There's all these different pieces. You can think about it all day. That's how you meditate on the Word of God, right? All day. So think about the pieces too. Um, there's parallels. We briefly touched on this last week. Basically with parallels, I won't go too far into it. You have lines in the Bible like Isaiah 55, 6, which says this. Isaiah 55, 6 says, seek the, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. You get two chances. They give you two chances in these parallels. Understand it. Really understand it. <laughs> they give you these two chances. Like, let me say what it means and let me emphasize what it means. In this case, seek the Lord while he may be found. The first word is seek. And then in the second line, it says, call upon him while he is near. Well, that's very telling. Because if I have seek, I can start to be like, where is he? And then the second line is, call upon him. Oh, so seeking is calling upon God. It's calling upon God. Um, that's very helpful. It's like, okay, so obviously that's prayer. That's one thing that I could do. Um, I could go talk to other Christians, get insight. I could go to his word. It's like, then it all starts to you know, make sense. He's... I like the parallels, the parallelism. It goes into repetition too, which we'll talk about for a second, but it's nice to know that somebody's made it very clear to us. Like, I need you to take out the garbage. It needs to be taken out right there. <laughs> it's like very, it's very fatherly with us. Um, we have linking words. Linking words is another one, so, sorry. The darker, darker marker. Got parallels, linking, words. I'm gonna also put slash phrases to be more technical. But linking words and linking phrases. These are super helpful. Um, what are they? They, um, they show like relationship between various phrases. Uh, they give the example like when you're a kid, you hear, you have two, <laughs> you have two uh, clauses, I guess. You have the clause, don't touch the stove, and the clause, it will burn you. <laughs> and the connecting phrase is, or the connecting word is, don't touch the stove because it will burn you. <laughs> we learned this at a very young age. I touched the stove. Didn't, who else touched the stove? Henry's like, yeah, not just like um, because it will burn you. Very important. You say Another quick linking word is therefore. Therefore is a huge one. Therefore, this. That's a big one. Therefore is a huge one. So therefore, uh, the list they have. It's a. Uh, that's one where it would indicate a particular consequence of the preceding statement. So there's a consequence coming now from what I just said. Therefore, they have a lot of examples. They have. You could use the phrase for instance, which means I'm about to give a bunch of examples. In short, which would be like summarize firstly, secondly, thirdly, to show like a sequence. Um, and a big one in the Bible is so that, which is like to give a result or a purpose. So da 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 da, so that, da 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 da. I'm giving you a result of what I just said. Um, however, is the contrast of two ideas, right? And. Um, 
if, using the word if, it makes the statement conditional. It's about to be conditional. If you hear, see the, if you do, then, you know, it becomes conditional. And uh, I think we recognize a lot of these things without writing out specifically what it means, but taking the time to like, and you can Google all this stuff, but just looking at linking words and phrases of the Bible. If you just look that up, you're going to find a really probably a helpful list very quickly. Because that's not really something that theologically we can disagree on. You're probably going to find a lot of references for that probably in all kinds of places, maybe even on a Catholic website. So. Well, I think one of the things, you know, that part, all things turn out, how the verse go? All things turn out good for us. Romans 8, 28. Yeah, but, it's, but the end of that is, you for know, those who love God. It's like, and work according to his Right, but yeah. they never, they ne no, most of the people that quote that don't finish up on that last part. They just, yeah. they just stick uh, with the uh, the first of it, right? Yeah, walk up to like a non-Christian at a funeral and be like, all things work out for good. It's like, maybe you should probably be preaching the gospel, <laughs> not telling them everything's going to be okay. Uh, if they don't know God, it's not going to be okay. It's going to continue to be terrible. Uh, they need to know God. Um, so, like, knowing because of that linking thing, it's so important. It's uh, all things we got for God. Yeah. Yeah. Another big one, sorry, is repetition. This, oh, this is such an important one. I love this one, but I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a sucker for repetition. Um, I even like, I like bands that have like seven minute long songs and it's the same chord progression that gets louder and louder and I love stuff like that. So this is, we all have our different things that we're gifted at. I love repetition, I think it's so good. Um, but I think it's, we have to agree, the Bible has so much repetition. And I think, why do you, just really quickly, why do you think the Bible has so much repetition? So that we remember it. Why? Why does he have to repeat it so much for us to remember it? We're what? Sheep, dim. I like that. That's good. Well, you know, I think I think some of us uh, have a tendency to think we can control things, mm -hmm. and it just we <laughs> we said, you know, in our call, some some of our culture, at least the culture I grew up into was so independent, you know, so it just kind of, no, I'm in control, you're not, mm -hmm. you know, that rugged Western <laughs> yeah. thing, you know, I mean, you did it, John Wayne, I mean, you didn't yeah. lie to anybody. Yes. Yeah, I mean, if he, yeah, if I needed help, I'll ask for it, right? Mm -hmm. I, uh... I personally have, again, another reason why I love repetition, I've personally greatly struggled with this in the American workforce. Um, I'm somebody who needs repetition. And I've gone to a lot of jobs where they're like, you're going to figure this out, right? I'm not going to have to explain everything to you, right? And I've, I, either, I either end up learning the job with a boss who hates me, or I get fired real quick. And it's like, I need repetition. I can't, like, I'm sorry. I don't fit into this individualistic society. I want to, just tell me what that's, to do. That's a, that's a hamburger flip. <laughs> yeah, and that's I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't do it. Show me. There's unfortunate things with money, the rich and the poor. I am poor in intelligence. It stinks. 
Repetition though, but I can learn. Even though I'm as dim as I am, I can still learn. If it keeps hitting me, if that wave keeps hitting me, I can learn how to stand. Um, they make up a point that I think is cool. It seems that in the Bible, it seems correct that if you observe the Bible, that all of the authors seem to already know this. They all seem to just know like, Repetition is like the way God talks and you need it repeated to you. It's like, so it's very clear. Um, they repeat words, they repeat phrases, they repeat ideas. It's very important. You hear an idea over and over and over. It's very helpful uh, with thin scripture. And uh, it's an intention. They have this, it's a method of drawing your attention to highlight an important or central point of the text. Well, then, too, I've heard it. the more it's repeated, the more important it is. Absolutely. Like, truly, truly, I say to you, holy, holy, holy. Not just meant for, like, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It really is just emphasis, emphasis, the most emphasis possible, three times. So much emphasis. Um, the or you, you could even say just like 77 times it's like you're gonna do this again and again and again my friend <laughs> uh it's so good there's a ton of passages we could look at for this but no time but you can look at a passage and with repetition you can see that it's highlighting a main point um you could look at a passage and see that through the repetition it's revealing the author's intent the author's opinion um, it can help you interpret the entire narrative, but just by seeing the repetition. This is why you hear a lot of preachers be like, and here this specific word is used seven times. And in the whole Bible, it's only used 15. I think this passage might be a lot about this specific thing. Um, it emphasizes a main idea. It doesn't just highlight it. It emphasizes it. The repetition is like, let me make this clear. Um, and it can also just set the tone or the feeling of the text, which I think we just saw in Revelation. But they, they talk about in Revelation here, they use an example of like um, the repetition used in Revelation 18, which is when Babylon is being destroyed. And it keeps coming to these poetic like things of the world being like, oh, Babylon is falling, it was my great city, and it's now it's dying. It's setting the tone of like, this is very, very sad. Not for you, for the world. The world is finally getting what was coming to them. Um, so we've covered a bunch of different tools, and the last few things are, they're more so physical things. Um, the point of covering all these tools, um, even if you look at these tools and you're like, I just need to read it right now. I'm not really ready for this. That's fine. These are tools. You can put them in your toolbox and remember them. But the intention for all of us, and I think we're all there, but if anybody isn't, the intention for all of us is eventually to dig deeper. We are not going, I hope that none of us here are going to be like, I'm content with just like staying on the, no, we all, the intention and in sanctification, even if you think, I know for me, uh, at a point in my life, it's like, I'm never going to read this more. I already understand it. I went through Awana. Um, so terrible. And then like later just being like, I don't know anything. I'm so dumb. But we're all, even if you don't think you are, you're going to find yourself being like, oh gosh, I'm going to have to dig deeper. 
how do I do that? That's why it's important to remember these tools, to be reading up about these tools. Not, not in place, you know, not forsaking reading itself for the tools, but when the time comes, um, people have been studying this for a long time. And remember, every person that's been studying this that's a Christian has been a person that has the Holy Spirit interpreting it for them for all this time. It's worth listening to. And with that, we can go into commentaries, which can be a dangerous place. <laughs> Basically, there's not a ton to say about it. They suggest some commentaries. Um, but... Just the basics of the commentaries that they're saying is it's good to use a commentary at the end. That's ideal. Which, reading that, I was like, I stink. But (laughs) it's ideal to take your time, even when I talk to Davey, right? When I talk to Davey about preaching, I'm like, what's your system for doing it? He's like, well, when I start, I look at the text and I stare at it for a few hours. I just stare at it. And it just, he's doing all this stuff. He's like, what's the intent? What, what's the structure? Are there parallels here? Are there words being used more than others? He's staring and staring and staring. It's crucial to why we get such wonderful sermons from God through him on Sundays. Because he stares at it. And I know that might seem daunting, but it's, ooh, it's a good thing. I, I, I really think we can all get to that place. Like, we love going to the beach. Some of, I mean, most of us. Like, going to the beach and just staring at the ocean. I really think, like, that's a good picture of what it's like. It's just the waves of understanding just start to hit you. And you're like, this is so good. But it's good to do your work first. Understand, believe the Holy Spirit's in you. You can do that. And then you go to commentaries. When you go to commentaries, it's important to... There's a couple different dynamics here. One, don't just go there. If you go there first, then you've kind of, it stinks. It's kind of like, it's kind of like a spoiler alert for like a movie. It's like, it's kind of hard because now I'm just going to be looking for that the whole time. Like, yes, I've almost kind of gotten in the way of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's not like it's over. The Holy Spirit can overcome what you've just read in a commentary, but it might be a little bit better to just look at the text for a while with the understanding of like, if I have any ideas about this, I don't have to be married to that idea. I can just have an idea about it, and I can talk about that with another Christian and not be embarrassed. I can be like, I'm kind of feeling like it's this. And as Christians, we need to be listening to each other and be like, oh, that person's just, there's off the rocker, they even have that idea. No, we need to be open and be like, okay, yeah, why, why, why that? What about these other scriptures, you know? But if you do a commentary first, it can very quickly be like, now I'm just thinking about what that person said. And then you can miss a bunch of stuff. Um, you can be like, when, I, when you go to Disney World, ride these five rides. It's like, I found out on my fifth visit to Disney World that there's a ride I never rode that's my favorite because I kept riding what everybody else told me to see. And a great thing, sure. Well, you got to look at the commentator's theological background as a liberal, conservative. Absolutely. Live on road. Yeah, that's something they talk about. They talk about that too with, um, with Bible dictionaries as well. So throw that in since we're on time. But with mobile, both Bible dictionaries and. I feel stupid I didn't know this, but apparently there are Bible encyclopedias. Does anyone own one of these? That's, yeah, so, I got one. that's so sweet. I want one now. I want a Bible encyclopedia. Everything's on your phone now. Oh, ugh. 
I want to read a Bible encyclopedia in person. I want a physical copy. Um, but with both of these, look at the company. Look at, you know, can I trust this company? Um, is this coming from, like, a Catholicism type of thing? Is this coming from something else? So, like Henry was saying, doing some research there. Because this is coming from a man so or a woman, so... What's going on here? Is this good? What were you going to say? You're going to add concordances to that? Well, there's that too, yeah. There's a lot of other books. You got concordances. You got the Hebrew Bible. A lot of things. In the in this, they just talk about that. I'll add it for you. Concordances? Well, usually on a concordance, depending on what ones you got, I suppose you could screw them up. But the concordance is simply... That just says where this is. Right. Well, this word... This it's is helpful. Word and, what, what is the word? Yeah. It's a helpful tool. It's kind of hard up here. Look on it. Huh? Alright, sorry. Sure. But yeah, with these last things, often with the commentaries, it's like, what do I think? What's helpful about the commentary is again remembering the narrative of the world. A lot of people have been studying this for a long time. If I look and I find that six very smart people think one thing and one guy kind of thinks the other and it doesn't really make a ton of sense but he just kind of feels it, which I, I personally have found with like, for example, in systematic theology, Wayne Grudem, whenever he starts talking about like, we can do miracles now, I'm like, where's this coming from? Um, a lot of other people don't think that. Where are you, what are you talking about, Wayne? But then everything else he says, I'm like, oh, this makes a ton of sense. Um, what you talk about? What you talk about, Wayne? <laughs> And Bible dictionaries are just helpful because you can just go right to that specific topic and find a lot of information that other people have cultivated for you. Um, if you're one of those people who has to track it all the way down, I guess you could do that. Maybe that's super great. Maybe you'll write your own Bible encyclopedia one day. Um, and then the encyclopedia, again, it's just like other encyclopedias. It's more information on an, instead of just specific direct thing, and then the concordance can help you like jump the, around. The vines, uh, they can go, they can take an Old Testament word and you can find what it meant at that time, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then, I, can't, I forgot what the, pair, the accompanying one was, we used to have it for the New Testament. Sure. So look up that word. Mm -hmm. I highly the recommend. The word love just throughout the entire Bible, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, the whole, yeah, that's so cool. They have the logo software if you want to spend twenty thousand dollars. Just kidding. That's for the highest tier. <laughs> there's a there's like a logo software. It's insane. It's got like every book ever in it. I highly suggest the the blue letter Bible, little little blue Bible there. It takes you right to the Hebrew and KJV, like KJV to Hebrew or KJV to Greek. That's really helpful. I like that a lot. It's a little hard to use because it's you know Christian software, but it's okay. But you know, it's like government. It's not as bad as government software, but it's pretty good. Um, it's as bad as government. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's different kinds of commentaries, all kinds of stuff. But unfortunately, our time is gone. But yeah, we've got the author's intent. We've got the structure of the passage. We've got when it's repeating. We have parallels when it's saying the same thing. Um, how things link together. 
and uh, then stepping outside of that, what have other people found? You know, the whole process is we're digging a hole and we're finding gold. That's what we're doing. We're digging, we're finding gold. I heard a teacher say, I think I've said this before in class, this guy was in Bible school and he said, teach me how to fill my bucket. They said, we're not going to teach you how to fill your bucket. We're not going to fill it for you. We're going to teach you how to build a shovel so you can fill your own bucket. That's going to be the point of Bible school. And that's what we're doing. These are tools. We're cultivating all the tools so we can figure out how in our personal relationship to fill our own bucket with the glory of God and just be satisfied every day. As opposed to having other people fill it and it's just like, you know, it's like when a kid learns to feed himself. It's just, it's a whole different experience. (laughs) 